Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. The mission of Vows to Keep is to help couples develop a biblically healthy marriage through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. They desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now, here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. It's so great that you've joined us today. We're excited to be talking with you about today's topic, and that is knocking your spouse's socks off. Boy, Tracy, that sounds like fun just saying it. Well, if you asked me today, what does my husband want? I would say he wants me to knock his socks off. That's one of the things that he is looking for in marriage. The world would have us believe the answer to that question, what does my husband want, is just one thing. And you all know what that one thing is. They say he's just a typical man. His desires are single-tracked. The world would say he's acting on instinct. And they would admit the fact that God made your husband and my husband in a very specific way to need us by God's design. Yes, your husband wants you, but that is a good thing. If your husband is in pursuit of God, his desire is for a marriage that reflects intimacy of the highest calling. Even if his faith walk isn't ideal, what do you think he wishes for your marriage? Today on Vows to Keep Radio, we're going to dig deeper than you may have wanted to go when you turn on the radio. But if you're willing to go on this ride through truth and scripture with us today, we can both leave better prepared and equipped with the insight and discernment needed to fulfill one of the highest callings in our lives, and that's to love our spouse's socks off. Are you ready? Now, I've just asked a tough question. What does your husband want? I bet the words make love may have flashed through your mind. I know they did mine. But for guys, I think it goes beyond the physical pleasure that they receive from their wives. I bet you've heard words from your husband or been able to read between the lines when it comes to the intimacy you share in your bedroom. Men are fulfilled in the bedroom, not simply by the act of physical intimacy, but by the closeness it brings the two of you. I've had the experience with my husband of simply going through the motions. You know what I mean, setting my heart aside for one reason or another. What's the result of such an experience? It's not the intimacy I crave at the heart level. That's not what I get from that experience. And the same goes for him. Sure, it's physically satisfying, but God created us to be one flesh, and that goes way past the physical act. So here is our second tough question today, but one well worth addressing for the sake of our marriages. When your husband looks at you, what do you think he sees? How does that compare to what he saw at the peak of your courting days? Now, some of you might be tempted to reach right for the way that you look. Maybe we haven't been as faithful to take care of ourselves as we should, but that's not specifically what I'm talking about. When your husband looks at you, that probably isn't what he's most attracted to either. Let me let you in on a little secret today. Your husband wants to date you. He wants to be what puts the twinkle in your eye, especially when life's chaos has you weighted down. Your husband wants to make your day. Listen to this carefully. Your husband wants to schmooze you, and he wants to be schmoozed by you. Don't believe me? Listen to this. You've got the power to attract your husband, to speak right to his love language. And for most of us, the things that stop us are easily addressed in a right relationship with God. In preparing for today's topic, I ran across an old love note that David had written to me the morning after we had gone on a really special date. Here's what he said. You've seen this in women around you, but maybe you didn't realize it, Tracy. 
the way women give up their vibrant, sexy, womanly power in marriage is by thinking they don't have any. Live dangerously bold in the confidence your allure gives you. Not only did that come from David's lips, I know it came from his heart. Your husband would probably give his right hand to go back to the days of your courtship and to have you think of yourself like he sees you now, sexy, alluring, feminine. Even though I don't know your husband, I bet he probably reminisces about the times when the two of you sat on the porch swing and talked till all hours of the night. I bet he thinks about when you couldn't wait to be next to him and every glance of your eyes sent a heartfelt message. I bet he thinks about a time in your lives where you planned your days around making sure you could spend the most time together as humanly possible. That happened when we were dating. I remember driving 15 to 20 minutes across town to David's work just to see him for his 10-minute break. We would sit in the car in his work parking lot, talk, make plans, and smooch. It was the highlight of my day, probably his as well. It can be tempting to think that those days are over and to just fall into the rhythm of going through the motions. But God designed your marriage to fulfill the both of you, not just then, but now. He designed your marriage to be a pursuit of loving the pants off each other, sometimes literally, just like God has, in fact, pursued us, and He continues to do so. Are those times of passion and romance in your marriage still the longing of your heart? Or has your head told your heart? That's just not reality anymore. The fairy tale has died, and now diapers, student loans, house payments, and your crazy schedule override any fantasy you may have harbored about having a marriage filled with romance. Are your thousand and one daily realities too big to make room for passion in your life? Sometimes we need to stop the chaos and just step back for a moment, reevaluate, or perhaps simply evaluate. That's part of what we're going to do today here on Vows to Keep Radio. Let's ask the questions that will help us to get there. Like, what's the condition of my marriage? What do I want in my relationship with my husband? What does he want? And what's stopping us from getting there? I'd like you to take a moment to think about this. What are the top two things I long for in my relationship with my husband? And what do I think the top two things are on his list? If you have a minute right now and you have a piece of paper close by or your cell phone, write those down real quick. What are those top two things? And then what are the things that crowd out those things from being a priority for us as a couple? If you and your spouse were sitting with Tracy and I, we might talk about how sometimes the lack of romance in our marriage boils down to just very practical things. Our schedules are crazy. Our kids need to be run all over the place. We've got in-laws. We've got debt. We've got careers. We've got jobs. We've got newborns. Other times, though, I think if we were honest, the lack of romance in our marriage is more of a heart issue. There's unforgiveness. There's a lack of trust. There's a lack of desire for unity or intimacy. We want independence. We want to be able to make our own way. There's been unfaithfulness. Or maybe your husband or your wife is not a believer. If I had my way, we'd spend all day together talking about the deep and practical issues that are interfering with the way that God has designed our marriage to be, for that intimacy, that love that he wishes for in our marriage. Well, we don't have that luxury, but let's take some time that we do have and head straight for the heart of the matter. We can look at scripture and see that God is love. And in his love for you, he's given you what you need to love your spouse. No matter what your family's like, no matter what your schedule's demanding, no matter what life and your heart look like. 
he hasn't just given you a so-so kind of love. He gave you his all. Do you think about that often? He gave you his son, Jesus, so that you would have love not only in your life, but for your spouse. This kind of love lasts much longer. After you personally have run out, God's love can remain. We read in John chapter 13, picking up in verse 34, it says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Imagine that, a love that proves to the world that you are his disciples. In those two verses, we see God's love for us and we see our identity. He died so that we could be part of his forever family. We see our calling. That's to love those around us just like we have been loved. And we see purpose behind our calling, the why we do what we do, that everyone we come into contact with would see God's love by the way we love. And I have to say, the first person on that list has got to be your spouse. Thank you, God, for those two verses, because in them, we see our purpose in marriage. No matter what the state is of our marriage right now, we see our purpose. I don't know where you are. Maybe you're newly married and the stars are in your eyes. Maybe you're bogged down with strollers and minivans, but your love still sparkles every now and then. Maybe you and your wife are separated. Maybe you're at another point in marriage that I haven't mentioned. Wherever your marriage is at, you have an identity in Christ. These verses remind us that you have a calling in marriage for a specific purpose. Where the world goes wrong is that we look at marriage as a place to be served. And I think God is generous. He gives us that benefit too, but that's not the point. God wants to show his love to a world that needs him. And marriage is one of his showcases for that. What you're going to hear from me today might come across as hard-hitting, In some ways, I hope your spouse isn't next to you right now, nodding their head and giving you the elbow and the ribs, saying how much they agree that you have an expectation now on your shoulders. But instead, I hope to give you a perspective that's aggressive, but with a purpose. Sometimes we need to be shaken a little and woken up to the position that God has put us in, in our spouse's life and the impact that we can have in their life. Man, do you remember the last time you just showered her with a planned out passionate date? Not just the standard once in a blue moon when all the stars of your life line up. I'm describing one where you know you put the extra effort into planning. And I'm not saying this to shame you or to try to put you in your place. Remember, I come at this from the exact same place. This is a struggle for me too. But to be perfectly honest, I get wrapped up in my own little world and sometimes my wife and I just just happen to cross paths and it hits me. Oh my goodness, she is awesome and I need to reach out to her. I need to plan something that says I care. A marriage left to something like that becomes very random. And you know what? I can't expect to have a biblically healthy marriage if I wait for random to happen. You're listening to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. Vows to Keep wants to help. If you have a marriage question, please email questions at vowstokeep.com. Vows to Keep will respond to you via email and perhaps use it on the air. Now let's rejoin David and Tracy Sellers with the remainder of today's broadcast. Maybe a deep, warm, unrelenting, and unpurposed kind of love doesn't even resonate with you anymore. Maybe you feel like you've been duped by the endless magazines and movies, you know, true love and all that. Thinking along those kind of lines can get us wallowing in a hole of self-pity faster than we can download Princess Bride on Amazon Instant Video. 
That's why I need a reminder of why I'm married and what this marriage thingy is supposed to look like. You know, true love and all that. The church answer, and by the way, the right answer about love, is that God invented it. He embodies it completely with His character, and He has given it to us so that we can give it away. Think about this. When you were first dating, those fluttery feelings in your chest when your phone would ring and it was Him, those were just the beginning of God uniting your two hearts together. That was just the beginning of a lifetime of God teaching you how to love like He has loved. But maybe somewhere between the dinner and movies of your dating days and the occasional obligatory dinner and movie of your married days, the pursuit of each other has grown cold. Or at least if you're like me, it doesn't come as easily as it once did. I want to ask you this. Do you think your spouse pursues you? If your knee-jerk reaction to that is, well, no, duh, I want you to let the question marinate for just a moment. Do you think your spouse pursues you? Try this on for size if your heart is a mite bit defensive at the moment. In marriage, believing the best of your spouse will go a long way. Assume the best of them. See past his blunders and mistakes to his heart. What I'm trying to say is that we so easily can just live side by side and just exist. And most of the time, we miss that our spouse is actually trying to connect with us, but we don't see the ways that they're reaching out to us as being meaningful. Has he started the Keurig for you in the morning in anticipation of you getting out of bed? Has he started a load of laundry, but maybe just forgot to put it in the dryer? Has he texted you in the middle of the day just to say hi? Has he taken steps to romance you after the kids have gone to bed? Has he asked you how your day was and then stopped to really listen? I've heard it said before, with a wife like mine, would you pursue her? And I have to say yes. And the answer to that is because Christ pursued you. He's relentless. Think about how you came to Christ. You lived in the darkness of your sin, and it wasn't you who reached out to God. No, he instead reached out to you. Ephesians 2 said that we were dead in our sins, living like the rest of the world. But there's God reaching out to us because he is so rich in mercy. And it says in verse 4, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. You see, it's in reviewing our own salvation and how Christ treats us that we gain fresh fuel to lavish that same kind of love on our wives. So let's take a brief look at the classic marriage scripture found in Ephesians 5, where it tells us what we need to do to love our wives as Christ loved the church. For many men, they just see this as a pie in the sky kind of scripture, or they just don't know how to relate to such a tall order. But it's something that if we break down, we can really put it into practice. So to start that, we see that we're called to love as Christ loved. He loved us by pursuing us, calling us into relationship with him. He didn't wait till we had our lives cleaned up. No, he takes this pure love of his and he pours it on us. He makes us clean and righteous in his eyes. So don't wait for your wife to be in perfect condition in her life or in her love for you. That's a performance-based kind of love, and that's just not healthy. I can't tell you how many tit-for-tat relationships I've seen fail. If you put her in that position, she will never attain it. It's impossible. Just like we can never come to Christ ready to present ourselves as worthy, we'll never be good enough without God's forgiveness and love to wash us clean. Your wife needs you to chase after her now, today. And Jesus shows us how to do it by laying down our lives for her, setting aside our wants, our desires, our hobbies, our time, whatever it is for you. 
and instead investing in one another for their betterment. That is real love. That's loving like Christ love. Second, these passage from Ephesians 5 say that he gave. He gave all he had to give. Consider that for a moment, the resources that God has given you. Where are you investing them? Are you being a good steward? Let's read verses 29 and 30 of Ephesians 5. It says, No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Now, since we're one with our wives and we're united together, we're to love them like we would want to love our own bodies. When we're hungry, we eat. When we need a break, we take one. Christ cared for your needs as if they were his own. He nourished us to sustain us. He's always giving us exactly what we need, always providing. So how can you do this for your wife? The other call to action in these verses is to cherish, and that literally means to make warm. There's a sense of loving affection there that can only come when hearts are known and they're open, when words can be said without thought of backlash, when respect is reciprocal, and the intimacy of friendship and affection is the culture in your marriage. So I know you're, you're not here with me, and your spouse might not even be with you, but if, if the four of us could be together and we could just talk, we could just discuss this, and you could think optimistically about how your spouse might be pursuing you, what might be those hidden areas that you need to be paying more attention to? See, there's all kinds of signs that are around us that your spouse is into you, that they want a deeper relationship with you, but we're really bad about assuming the best. Like a husband who tells a flirtatious joke at a really inopportune time. A lot of times we miss the details, we miss the heart, we miss the intention. So even if you can't come up with one example of what your spouse is doing to pursue you, your calling actually remains intact. Let me say that again. If your spouse is actually not in pursuit of you, your calling remains intact. God uses Paul's advice in Colossians to really challenge me. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart, as if you are working for the Lord, not for men. God is asking me to put my whole heart into my marriage for him, for God's glory. You might be saying, you know what? My spouse can be so nasty toward me. They can be so cold. You don't know what I'm dealing with, and you're right. So let's turn to Romans 5 and take a look at the gospel and put it into the center of all this. Starting in verse 6, it says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us as sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But check this out in verse 8. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God didn't wait until we were worthy to intentionally pursue us. He found us in the muck and mire of our sin, and he saw his bride, the love of his life. That's you. So what would happen if you intentionally pursued your spouse despite their shortcomings? Absolute blessing. That's what would happen. You see, intentionality shows desire. It shows passion. It shows need. It shows want to. It intentionally tells your spouse that you've heard them, that you care, that you're willing to invest. To be intentional means that you're deliberate, that you're conscious, that you're studied, that there's willfulness to it, that it's preconceived, that you've even premeditated what you're going to do. And I mean that in all the best contexts of those words. Nothing good in marriage happens completely accidental, especially over the long haul. Accidental romance 
means that it just happened by chance. It was a fluke. Our schedules and our hormones accidentally coincided at random. You know what? I don't think so. It doesn't sustain us. If you and I were sitting at a table right now together, I would ask you this question. When do you and your husband have passion and romance? What takes place leading up to that? And what part do you play in that at a practical level and at a heart level to make that happen? I hope that would give you something to think about and that we could have a discussion about that. Pursuing your wife means that you're looking beyond what her body language is saying. You're looking beyond what her immediate frustrations are, and you're looking at the deeper parts of her life. You're looking for ways you can become involved. A lot of times, as men, we just focus on the symptoms, and we try to fix those symptoms. We have to pay attention to what is God asking of us as husbands to do in that situation. Going back, we talked about dating. Your wife wants to date you, especially when the demands of life make it near impossible for you. She wants to see that you're going to put her before the rest of the to-dos. But it's not just dates. Again, getting back to those practical things, you need to adjust your schedule so that you have time to literally and figuratively debrief and get into some bonding time. Husbands, get a babysitter on a regular interval. Go ahead and schedule that in advance. Develop a relationship with another family so you can do this. Make sure that there's those times that you can get out of the house together. Doing so will open the door to having conversations with each other that just won't happen when you're at home. We would encourage you to plan overnight getaways together at least once a year, but preferably more than that. If that seems like an impossibility, trade babysitting with another couple. You could even switch houses to make it a free weekend. Get out of your four walls and connect in a new way. Spend your time on the weekends together. Do what he likes to do. Go shoulder to shoulder with him, not with the intention that he will reciprocate, but in reality, he probably will. And this one is really important. Go to bed together at the same time, even if that's not your preference or the way that you're wired. Use that time to talk, to play, to touch, and to pray. If this becomes a heavy to-do list, then we have to back up for just a minute. Our love for our spouse should come from an overflow of our hearts. What we've talked about here are just some ideas of how to bring passion and romance into our lives together, but we can't give away what we don't have. And if we try, we're going to run dry very quickly. It starts in your heart. Where is your heart at with God right now? We have to have that vertical relationship right before our marriage horizontal relationship will be right. See, when the vertical relationship with God is where it should be, the outpouring to our spouses is going to flow like a rushing river. Without it, at best, will trickle stale water. In our wives' thirst for a deep relationship with us, they will probably still try to lap up as much as they can, but we have the opportunity to really quench their thirst, to really touch them deep in their hearts. Now, if your wife even catches wind that you're working on pursuing her or even thinking about pursuing her, you've already begun the process of knocking her socks off. Your husband likes it when you pursue him, when you try to impress him, when he knows you've joyfully sacrificed, joyfully given from your heart. His socks are knocked off when it's evident you've thought about his tomorrow and what would fill his love cup today. When you make a plan and put legs to it, you speak very loudly. In closing, it's so easy for us to not realize that God has placed us in a very critical spot in our spouse's life. 
God has entrusted us to do more than just survive together. He asks us to pour an extravagant love into our spouse, to knock their socks off. God made marriage with an inherent desire for each other, one that lasts beyond the dating days, one that with excitement shares to the watching world that God is the reason and the supply of your love. You've been listening to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. Vows to Keep offers Christ-centered marriage resources for couples wishing to prepare, enrich, and renew their marriages. These resources include weekend retreats, conferences, date nights, and radio broadcasts across Ohio. Your financial gift will allow Vows to Keep to continue to help couples develop biblically healthy marriages. Please prayerfully consider making a donation to help serve future couples. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation or to find out more about Vows to Keep, visit our website at VowsToKeep.com. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.